What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another preview podcast episode on the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast slash YouTube channel. Hit the like button, subscribe to all the good stuff, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or drops. Appreciate you coming back. Share this out in five stars on Apple Podcast, please. Gets us out to more people and all the good stuff. So, we got one of the tougher preview pods of the year and we're going to face the Miami Dolphins on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium um, first thoughts on this game before we get to the injury report and all that other stuff also shouts to Mr. Doug Lee Durong we have a discussion with him in the second half of the show as we usually do with the opposing team's content creator um, he was awesome gave us some good analysis on the Dolphins but let's go back to the first thoughts. I know a lot of people are already off the train of the Giants are not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to do this, that, and the other thing, whatever, right? And I'm not going to tell people how to feel because we have been through an interesting amount of events, history this season, right? We saw the Giants get their ass kicked in week one. Week two, they overcame a 21-point deficit. Week 3 wasn't good, where they had a lot of missed tackles. Week 4 was terrible, where 10 sacks were given up, and the Giants have been outscored 64-3 to at home and 77-6 to in the first half. I mean, that's already not good to start. So, you come into the next two games in general. Now, I think Buffalo is more beatable than Miami, but Miami... We know this team because they put up not 40, not 50, not 60, 70 friggin' points on Sean Payton's Denver Broncos. And Denver's a terrible team. Let's not get that mixed up. Let's get it straight. Denver's a terrible team. But they still put up 70, which means that if the New York Giants in this game, they give up, they do this, they do that, you know, they make mistakes, they are going to capitalize and go further, Okay. They're going to capitalize and go further and maybe put it in the end zone every time we have a turnover or the Giants do something on offense, whatever the case may be, right? And this is going to be one of their get-right games for Miami because they lost against Buffalo. Next game, they got the Panthers, which should be an easy win for them, and then they got the Eagles. So you want to maintain one of the top two spots in the AFC. That's their motive, okay? And, you know... I know people are going to come out here and say this, that, and the other thing if they wind up putting something like a 40 or 50 spot on us. And I know this is very embarrassing that I'm actually speaking this as a real possibility, but it kind of goes back to the point that this channel preaches, and nobody else really does, but again, the message is don't put yourself into position. This has been a known thing on the Boys of Big Apple podcast, but... Don't put yourself in the position. Don't commit so many turnovers. Don't throw so many interceptions. Don't give up so many yards. So if they put up 40, 50, and they're still scoring on us, then whose fault is it? It's our fault, okay? They want to score as many points as possible, fine. Like, I don't have a problem with Dallas doing that or any of those other teams doing that because at the end of the day, it's on the losing team. You lost for a reason. Now, as far as a measuring stick goes for the Giants, these next two games are obviously going to be very, 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 very tough. And if you're a Giants fan, you really don't know what to look for in this game. Because you're going to have an even more banged up offensive line. 
No Saquon Barkley, in my opinion, because Friday he didn't look as good as he did on Thursday, and I would wait till Buffalo. Many other things coming into this game. Pressure, obviously. The mini distraction you had during the week of Evan Neal opening his mouth. You have that. Um, all those different things. So, what should a Giants fan measure, in my opinion? Here's what I'm measuring. And yes, maybe some of you have already, you know, said, okay, no, I'm not going to measure that because I know the result. How competitive are the Giants going to stay in this game? Which equates to the theme of, is Dable losing the locker room or is he keeping it together for the time being? Because I've had people come to me and they've called me on the phone, they've texted me, all these sort of different things. You know, the Giants are obviously not going to win the next two weeks. Their O-line is banged up the sign. The other thing, they're going to lose. But maybe we could put on a run, Commanders, Jets, and then the Raiders and all these other different teams. Now, here's the question I pose to those different people. And this is not just to be negative. This is just to be, you know, a central talking point, something to actually think of. Where is the locker room going to be after two straight losses and you're down one and five? Where's the locker room going to be? Are you going to be trading guys and they'll be down and depressed? In terms of morale, are they going to be okay? Listen, we gotta we gotta get our shit together and this that, and the other thing. What attitude are they going to embrace? Are they going to be up to the challenge this week against Miami, or are they already looking down on themselves, saying, "Let's focus on either Buffalo or the Commanders the week after because they are more on our level than Miami is, and obviously Miami is ten tiers above the Giants." So that's honestly something to look for, and I said it in. What was it? Um, Monday? I said it in the Evan Neal video. I don't think Dable should be fired. I don't. But at some point, you got to grasp the locker room together and say, hey, we got to get this shit together or else it's going to be haywire. And this is a game, it could go haywire. Like, this could very well be the 2017 game between the Giants and the Rams. If you guys don't remember what happened, Giants got their ass kicked 51-17? to was the final score of that game? Yeah, 51-17. They got their asses whooped. And from then on, it was a terrible season. So that's what I'm measuring. Is it going to be the locker room that folds? Or are they going to stick together? Or are we going to see pandemonium like guys yelling at coaches and shit? I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. So anyway... Let's take a dip into the injury report, and it's not a good sight for the Giants. Shane Lemieux is out with a groin injury. No surprise there. He's an injury-prone, unable offensive lineman. John Michael Schmitz, he's out with a shoulder injury. He hurt his shoulder on the tush-push. Andrew Thomas is out with a hamstring injury. Did not practice all of this week. Tweaked his hamstring again last week, so we may not see him until maybe the Commanders game. Saquon Barkley is questionable, limited in practice. Daniel Bellinger, limited in practice, practice excuse me, due to a knee injury. Saquon, limited with the ankle injury. I honestly don't think any of them play. Bellinger has an MCL sprain, at least that's the rumor right now. And usually that takes more than a week to heal. And, you know, you really don't want to get more guys hurt. So I would go out there, sign Chris Myrick or sign some of these other guys, have them fill in as a temporary blocking tight end. The Giants, I don't think, have done that yet. They definitely will be elevating certain offensive linemen, too, because you got to get in the fold. And then Micah McFadden, he's questionable 
with an ankle injury, which is a little concerning because the Giants linebacker depth is a little, you know, it's a little scarce because you got Simmons and then you go back to Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown, who are bona fide special teamers. And it's really going to be telling later on Saturday what happens because they'll do the elevations. Is it going to be two offensive linemen? Is it going to be a tight end two? Is it going to be a linebacker? Darian Beavers is on the practice squad, and we all know how that situation happened, but those are a lot of questions that the Giants will answer over the next coming days. So for the Miami Dolphins, Nick Needham is out. He is on IR still. They're hoping to get him back soon. Same thing goes for guard Robert Jones. Three guys are questionable. Lester Cotton, who is a backup guard, Connor Williams is an X-Factor, definitely. He is the starting center, if you guys remember that name. He was actually with the Dallas Cowboys for a good portion of his career. They ended up drafting him, I think, in 2018 or 2017. But he's been the glue of that offensive line, went down a few weeks ago, and then Jalen Phillips is questionable with an oblique injury, and... This could be a get-right game. I talked about it more on a Dolphins front a couple of minutes ago, but this could be a get-right game for the pass rush because this team, they're not like the Giants struggling to get to the passer, but they could do better with the personnel they have. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins, some of those other guys. Andrew Van Ginkle is their lead sacker right now. You want to make that one of your pass rushers. So let's dip into team stats. Obviously, it's not a good sign for the New York Giants. 31st in total yards per game, 30th in passing offense, 23rd in rushing offense, 32nd in points offense. Defense, 24th in total yards, 15th against the pass, 25th against the run, 30th in points per game, 7th in passing percentage, 26th in run percentage, 25th in pass percentage on first down, and 8th in run percentage on first down, 2nd in blitz percentage, 22nd in pressure percentage, and 32nd in sacks. The Dolphins, well, I don't even have to go to most of their offensive categories because that 70-point game did it in for them. All of the offensive ranks that we usually go through, they're number one. Defense, this is where they struggle. 30th in total yards per game, 25th in points. Uh, excuse me, 28th in points, 25th against the pass, 22nd against the run. Offensively, analytic-wise, 21st in pass percentage, 12th in run percentage, 3rd in pass percentage on first down, 21st in run percentage on first down. So it's a little bit of a flip-flop there. 11th in blitz percentage, 12th in pressure percentage, and 21st in sacks. Obviously, the last few years with the Dolphins, really going back to 2019, they had a different style on defense. And that was Brian Flores and Josh Boyer. Boyer was not retained. They brought in an experienced guy, former head coach. You guys know the name because he was in contention for the Giants job about a year and a half ago. That name you guys know is Vic Fangio. He plays more of a laid-back defense. Now, multiple teams have tried to mock his defense, and it really hasn't gone well. At Donatel with the Vikings last year, that was not a very good unit. Um, I think the Packers last year were at uh, not at Donatel, but uh, Vic Fangio-style defense. What Vic does, and this goes into things to look for, is he stops defenses from making the big play. But they didn't do that last week when they allowed 48 points, some based off turnovers and stuff like that. So I'll go back to the Miami Dolphins offense for number one. And that's speed, speed, speed. And more speed and more speed and more speed. Tua throwing the football. 
Devin Chan out of the backfield, Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Those are just some of the names. And then they factor in some of these other guys. That's where it's going to be the toughest of battles for the New York Giants. And obviously, looking into the season, yeah, you know, uh, obviously Miami, we don't know if Tua is going to be healthy, this and the other thing. When you zoom to now, I think this may be the toughest game yet because Dallas, yeah, you know, they lost to Arizona. I thought there was a fluke game. The 49ers, the best team in the NFC, in my opinion. The Dolphins, I mean, yeah, they lost to Buffalo and had a couple of kinks there with the offensive line and turnovers and all that other stuff. But I think, my personal opinion, the Dolphins are the best, best team in the AFC. The Chiefs, they have some quirks. Patrick Mahomes will always be there. I thought that they uh, played down to the competition too much against the Jets. Bills, I don't trust Josh Allen a ton protecting the football. He's productive, but he turns over the football a ton. So, Tua staying on the field has made it happen. An offensive genius in Mike McDaniel, and sometimes it's either one way or it's another way, where you have an offensive genius calling plays, who's also your head coach, it could either go really badly or... Or it could be just a monster success. And that's what it's been for Mr. Mike McDaniel. Coming from San Francisco where he only spent one season as the offensive coordinator. And that was after whoever left to take a job elsewhere. I'm blanking on that right now. But that's not really important. One of the things Miami does is, you know, obviously part of their schematics. Is they throw out of running formations. And one of the guys the Giants are going to really have to keep track of, and we'll talk about this more into uh, players to watch, is Durham Smythe. Smythe is one of the longer-tenured Miami Dolphins going back to that really bad season they had in 2019, but he's a guy they like to leak out of there. The defense will be focused on Waddle. They'll be focused on Achan. They'll be focused on Tyreek Hill. But you'll see Durham Smythe just crawl out of there and have something over the middle of the field. And... I know there was some complaints last year. I'll get Mike Gusecki involved, this and the other thing. They're not really focusing their offense on the tight ends. It's running backs and wide receivers. But once again, the Giants really should not be in over their head in this game. But even when it comes to Durham Smythe, I think he's going to be a little X factor on offense for the Miami Dolphins. But speed, speed, speed. Miami throwing out of running formations. The Giants cannot be fooled this game. They probably will be, but they cannot be fooled because when you're throwing out of running formations, you got these two tight end sets, whatever, 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 it's just going to be a mind game that Mike McDaniel plays with you. Also, not to mention, there was a couple plays last week when they were in good position game-wise. You had Tyreek in the backfield and Achan, I'm going to butcher that name, unfortunately, Apologies. You had him as a wide receiver, but he comes around and he takes a jet sweep. But people are like, wait a minute, Tyreek Hill's in the backfield. So, again, it's all mind games. But the Giants had to mock that in practice, and I don't think they did. I'm not trying to rip their coaching too much because I've done it over the past few weeks, but guess what? It's very hard for any NFL team not named Kansas City to mock what they do on offense and practice. So, if the Giants are about speed, this game, it may keep them in contention a little bit more. And one of the things, going back to the offseason, Joe Shane wanted to improve was the speed of the team. 
Micah McFadden, he's got a solid speed. Okereke, I would like to see it more this game. Isaiah Simmons has to play more. Isaiah Simmons has to play more. Because I get it, third down is big, all these different things. But he's probably got to have the duty of covering running backs. I don't trust our safeties. Maybe Dane Belton, but he hasn't gotten a ton of snaps. I would like to probably point the finger and my mistrust towards Jason Pinnock, who hasn't covered tight ends that well, and also Xavier McKinney, who hasn't played well at all, so there's that. But moving to the Giants a little bit, quick game from Big Blue. Talked about it uh, when we were coming to this segment. Vic Fangio, he's not a blitzer. Again, not Josh Boyer or Brian Flores or any of those other guys. He blitzes the 11th most, but then again... He relies on that front four to get to the passer. Now, again, they do have some weaknesses in that secondary. No Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, he's still there. They have Cater, Kohu, and Justin Bethel. Kohu, I believe, was a draft pick of theirs, and Bethel's a special teamer. We'll get into them, but there's some weaknesses back there. But I want to be... I, I Not that I want to be, but I want to see how Vic Fangio and their DB's coach is going to tell them to play against this Giants offense because I'm honestly anticipating a quick game. Now, unfortunately, the Giants have been figured out. The quick game has been figured out. San Fran is a great, great example. Another great example was the first half against Arizona when they were going quick game. So are they going to say, okay, we're just going to let them you know, do their thing, but in the red zone we'll stop them? Or is it going to be... Listen, we're going to have you press up on them and stop the quick game. It's going to be interesting to see. And also the Giants, defensively. I already said you can't mock what they do in practice. Can't mock what the Miami Dolphins do in a game in practice. It's very tough. Trust me. Um, But if you're going to ask me what I think they're going to do, I think they're going to play zone defense. I think that they're going to let Waddle go over the middle, Hill go over the middle. Then they'll see what they do um, with their eyeballs, and then they'll make adjustments. But I think it's a better chance that they get killed in man coverage than zone defense. But they'll probably pick apart the zones too. Tua is a good quarterback. So either way, in my opinion, the Giants are fucked. But zone defense, it compresses it a little bit more to where you kind of know you're going to get fucked. But at the same time, you know, it's still kind of a competitive chance. So let's go to players to watch. Tua Tagovailoa, his completion percentage is at 71.3. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions, five sacks taken. He's got a rating over 100 at 114.4. He's been great this season. A lot of people are considering him... In the MVP conversation, if he continues this play, I will definitely endorse him. But I would have to see it for a few more games because we know Tua, he can get hurt and totally sideline the Dolphins' season. I thought they would have been better last year if he had not gotten hurt. I know Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson played against the Jets, but a lot of things rolled into that. Tagovailoa, he's playing really well. Playing really well. Shots to him. You look at the running game. It is no... No slouch. Devon Achan. Got it right this time. Four touchdowns on the season. Four runs over 20 yards. 309 yards total. And 11.4 yards per carry. Which I'm pretty sure leads the NFL. When you're talking about running backs only. And a specific amount of snaps. And 
I mean, he's got speed. He's got real speed. A lot of Dolphin fans were like, okay, we drafted this guy. You didn't hear much about him in training camp, but he shows it all right now, and he looks to be their future running back outside of Raheem Mostert, who's got six touchdowns on the season, two runs over 20 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, 249 yards, and 48 carries total. So who's gotten more reps? It's Raheem Mostert, but Devon Achan, he's gotten more rushing yards. Now you look at the receiving game. I kind of talked about it earlier, and it's really an obvious pinpoint. Tyreek Hill, four touchdowns, 470 yards, uh, 28 receptions in four games. Jalen Waddell, obviously he missed the game. I believe it was actually against Denver when they put up the 70 spot. He doesn't have a touchdown this season. He's got four big plays over 20 yards, but he doesn't have a touchdown this season. So I think he's going to get a touchdown against the New York Giants. He's got 210 yards on 12 catches. Braxton Berrios, he's going to be out of the slot, so it's going to be interesting to see if Trey Hawkins comes back in the game. Please, please don't put Adoree on Braxton Berrios and play this whole slot game. No. Flot, I thought he did fine for the most part against the Seahawks and man coverage. I think he could take Braxton Berrios. Berrios, I know he had that little stint with the Jets, but he's not that good of a slot receiver. My honest opinion. But he's got a touchdown this season to play over 20 yards, 146 catches on 13 receptions. And then the guy we talked about pretty much in the things to look for is Durham Smythe. 11 catches, 123 yards, no touchdowns. I think he's going to get his first touchdown this game. And then one big play. Their expected O-line, I know that in the interview discussion, Doug's going to not really be too endorseful about the O-line coming off that game against Buffalo. But five sacks only taken by Tua this year. Five sacks total across the board because Mike White also played. That's the third least given up. Austin Jackson, who many thought was to be a bust, he's on the right side, he's doing a solid job. Connor Williams is the glue guy. Kendall Lamb's played well. Expect him to start left tackle. So, again, this O-line is solid for the moment, but we'll touch on that in top matchups. You look at the defense, and I'm looking at three, maybe four guys here. Jalen Phillips is my number one. He could potentially play this game. I think he will. Half a sack, two quarterback hits, 12 tackles, four quarterback pressures. He's a guy I looked at coming out of college. He had a lot of risks because he retired one year due to a neck injury. Um, you know, was really productive in college, but again, the injuries. But when he's on the field, you get dominant play. And I think he could be a double-digit sack guy in this league. I think he could be dominant. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on the name of Jalen Phillips. But he's got a good matchup this game. Whether he goes against Josh Azudu or Evan Neal, I think he's the ultimate winner. Bradley Chubb's on the other side. I think he needs to perk up a little bit. Got big payday. One sack, three tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, 14 tackles, seven quarterback pressures. He's going to look to have a game too. Christian Wilkins up the middle, a sack, a tackle for loss, four quarterback hits, 15 tackles, five quarterback pressures. He's going to look to feast. And again, we can't even say JMS is playing because he's not. He got injured on the tush-push play, so it's going to be Bredesen starting at center, Glowinski, I would say at left guard, it'd be very irresponsible to go out there and say Jalen Thomas or Jalen Mayfield is going to go start at left guard. That would be a head-scratching, Dable decision. Put Glowinski out there, do it. And then their linebacker up the middle, Andrew Van Ginkle. Three sacks, 19 tackles, 
Five tackles for a loss, six quarterback hits, five quarterback pressures. He's a guy to look for both when it comes to rushing the passer and stopping the run. Now you look at their corners, they are a little busted up here. You start with Xavier Howard, who doesn't have terrible stats. He's given up a completion percentage of 60.64.3. Actually, my bad. Uh, 63.6. One interception on the season. 114 yards given up. 72.9 passer rating and one touchdown. So it pretty much evens out. You would like him to play better, though. Cater Kohu. 77.3 completion percentage allowed. A lot of yards allowed last week against Stefan Diggs. I thought that was mismanagement personally by the defense because you, you have him on Stefan Diggs. I mean, that's just going to be a recipe for disaster. 204 yards, two touchdowns, 135.4 passer rating. I would look to go after him. If you're Daniel Jones and you're on your game, look to go after him. Justin Bethel. He's mainly a special teamer. Has been his whole career, Atlanta, New England, Baltimore, Arizona too. Again, mainly a special teamer, but due to injuries, Nick Needham, they're not playing Eli Apple as of right now, which would be an interesting matchup, not going to lie to you. But I feel like Eli Apple would get an interception in this game. I don't know. I'm just down to the dumps by this Giants team. Back to Bethel, 37 yards given up on seven completions, on eight targets, which isn't bad, but... The passer rating is high at 125.5 and one touchdown. Again, he's a special teamer that plays corner. And then Javon Holland, he's a guy that I've been looking at ever since he came out of Oregon, and he's one of the more underrated guys in this league. He's mainly a box safety, at least from what I've read. Not great in coverage, but he could also play over the top when need be. Two tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles. Completion percentage is 77.3 in coverage, 176 yards, passer rating of 115-1. Touchdown allowed, 39 tackles. So before we get to top matchups, thought I'd bring in the usual ad break. This channel, this podcast episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you're going to a game, you're going to a concert, you need parking passes for something, please use the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. It gets $20 off your entire order. That's Big Blue in the Bronx, nothing abbreviated. Just the name of the podcast and the name of the channel. So, let's break into top matchups. Usually, I stick to the trenches, and to be honest with you, that's what it's going to be this game. I'm looking for Aziz Ojolari to see what he could do against whoever plays left tackle. Now, it could be Kendall Lamb, who's played well this season. He's mostly been a backup in this league with the Browns and the Colts. But it could also be Isaiah Wynn, who's mostly played left guard. Um, He played left tackle with the Pats. And then if they want to... They could shove Liam Eichenberg at left tackle, but I would say two out of three are mismatches, and Aziz Ojolari would win those. But Lamb, I think he could struggle against a little bit, but he needs to show, hey, listen, I was drafted in the second round. I can beat these type of guys. Now, you're looking at first-round talent versus first-round talent in Austin Jackson versus Kayvon Thibodeau. If he lit up Jake Curhan last game, he had two sacks, he needs to do well this game and get to the quarterback. He needs to do well. Uh, Austin Jackson, he's not some premier pro bowler at a USC. No, he's struggled a lot in his career. They put him over on the right side. Thibodeau needs to have a consistent game. I'm not asking for a sack. I would like a sack, but keep it consistent, man. Keep it consistent. Just get off after the quarterback, get some pressure, stuff like that. I'm moving to the interior, and I'm again, I'm watching them, guys. Leonard Williams versus Isaiah Wynn or Liam Eikenberg. I think it's a win for Leonard Williams, but unfortunately, he likes to sleep. 
sometimes, you know, you could always pull out that theme song, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Well, it seems like it's been the lion sleeping tonight for three out of the four games this season. But he needs to have a solid game. He needs to have a solid game. Impact versus the run, impact versus the pass. Dexter Lawrence. I want to see what he does this game. Now, we know Dexter Lawrence has yet to record a sack on the season. This could be a game where he does that and forces two out of the pocket a couple of times. That's where the edge is going to have to be set. But if Eichenberg is at center, you have to at least get a sack. That's my opinion. And I get it. They'll double team, team him. They'll do this. They'll do that. They'll try to do their best to block off Dexter Lawrence. But if you have Eichenberg at center, someone who didn't even play center in college. He played left tackle, and then you move over to guard in the NFL. you gotta, you got to play well against him. And then Connor Williams, you should play well against either way because Williams is a good center, but at the same time, Dex, you were drafted in the top 20, and you also were given a payday. And then one more I'm looking at is whoever covers Durham Smythe and uh, Devonna Chan. I think that's going to be Xavier McKinney. I would like Isaiah Simmons to take a Chan maybe, also probably go out there i think he can handle Smythe. i don't think he's that much of a built guy and also maybe take moster but xavier mckinney needs to show us that he's improved in some way somehow hasn't really shown that in four games and talked about isaiah simmons i'm also looking for cordell flott versus a guy in braxton berrios berrios again solid slot receiver i think he's a little overrated but again i need to see performance third round pick from last year we need some improvements so keys to win (laughs) keys to win do not give up the big play i think they're going to implement zone defense for that reason try to not get killed maybe you'll see some zone blitzes guys open over the middle miami's going to kill this offense and listen i can be wrong i want to be wrong i want to see the giants win this game i'm not on the tank train yet so again Don't give up the big play. Miami's one of the more prolific offenses in the NFL. Number two, put up points. Stop leaving big plays up there. And I'm talking to one guy. I'm talking to one guy only. And, of course, the offensive line. That's Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is coming off a lot of heat from Monday. And he hasn't played well this season. No, no, no. Has not played well. And we can talk about this. We can talk about that. But there are plays on film he is constantly missing over the middle like I haven't seen him play this bad in a while I'm serious like I haven't seen him play this bad in a while whether he's shell-shocked because the offensive line this that and the other thing I'm tired of hearing the excuses and there is some good reasoning behind yeah the offensive line this and the other thing Paris Campbell hasn't produced Wandale Robinson I think could be very effective this game Darren Waller should be involved somehow too along with Jalen Hyatt but you gotta get those guys involved you gotta make those throws there's going to be guys open. There's going to be guys open against Kohu and Justin Bethel. And if they bring another corner out of the wind, you know, so you got to make those throws. You really do. It's imperative. It is absolutely imperative. $40 million. You want to prove these doubters and these quote unquote haters wrong. I already said, to be honest with you, I'm already set up for the Giants to draft a quarterback next year because of the way the season's going, the way Daniel Jones is playing. So there's that. But again, if you want to sit here and prove your $40 million worth, put up points. You got to put up at least 20. I mean, the Giants, hell, they haven't put up at least 10 in some of these games. Stop leaving the big plays up there. Number three, defend the run. 
Devon Chan, Raheem Mostert, that's a duo that a lot of people are not talking about, especially if you're biased against the Dolphins or whatever your reasoning is. Well, if they break off this game, trust me, a lot of people will be talking about them, destroying the Giants' run defense. And they've been inconsistent too. The defense overall just hasn't given me a consistent look. Week two, first half was garbage. Week three, they were garbage for the most part because they couldn't tackle a freaking statue. They couldn't tackle a dummy. Week one, you really didn't get too many opportunities. It was really the same as week four. So it's just it's just really interesting that week two and three, they play like garbage. And then week one and four, they don't get any opportunities. One side is away. One side is home. So this is going to be a game where do they figure the Dolphins out a little bit? Or do they say, you know, we're going to get our ass beat anyway? It's going to tell the tale over the next few weeks of where this defense is at. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's just a telling tale. It's going to be something to find out. So with that being said, I'm going to go to a score prediction. Well, unfortunately, I don't have the Giants winning this game, and I don't think it's going to be close in the second half, maybe even the second quarter. Dolphins, 35-10. to 10. The Giants have struggled putting up points. And you talk about the defense, the offense is the bigger issue. Like, the defense, fine, it has its own tackling issues and coverage issues and assignment issues. If the offense puts up at least 17 to 23 points a game, maybe we're not talking about being 1-3. But we're 1-3. So, I just don't think this offense is going to get it done. I don't think Daniel's going to have a good game. It's the first time he's playing the Dolphins, and I think this pass rush is going to get a get-right game against our line. And I'm going to include this because I know there's some people that want a quarterback. There's some people that want an O-lineman. But we're back to the rooting guide if you want the Giants to tank. Now, personally, me, I don't want the Giants to tank. I want to see progression from some guys. And I'm not really expecting them to give up on the season just from then and there. Maybe the players. But, you know, you will see some guys trade at the deadline. I would be very surprised if that doesn't happen. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised either. And also, Dable's going to be here another year. So why would he want to just blow the season away? Get as many wins as possible and try to save your job so next year you come in with a quarterback and at least John Mara's confident that you could coach him up the right way. But... Here's what you need to happen if you're rooting for the Giants to tank, besides a loss, obviously. So, let's start with Chicago. You need them to beat Washington. That already happened. You need Jacksonville to beat Buffalo. You need New Orleans to beat New uh, New England. You need Tennessee to beat Indianapolis. You need Pittsburgh to beat Baltimore. You need Carolina to beat Detroit. That's very unlikely. Houston, Atlanta, does not matter. You need Arizona to beat Cincy. You need the Rams to beat the Eagles. You need Denver to beat the Jets. You need Minnesota to beat the Chiefs. Don't think that's happening. You need the Raiders to beat Green Bay, which Green Bay is banged up a little bit. And you need San Fran to beat Dallas. So I thought I'd bring that out. I'm going to see if I could find it every week. And again, I don't want a tank. That's just personally me. I'm not rooting for the tank. Fans can do what fans want. I'm not going to tell them how to fan. But uh, with that being said, for more on this game preview, we're going to send it over to the discussion with Mr. Dougley Do Wrong. All right, so now I am on with Doug from Dougley Do Wrong on YouTube. You guys can go subscribe to him. The link is in the description. But before we throw in first thoughts, or I ask 
Dougie's first thoughts. I had to ask a funny question, and I don't know, Doug, if you've ever gotten this. Um, you guys play in the same division as these cats, and I know a lot of people who root for this certain team, and I think it's an interesting correlation, but do you guys ever get called Jet South? No, <laughs> I could see why uh, we would be being that Mike White, Braxton Berrios, all those guys. But no, uh, we didn't. We don't get called Jet South. <laughs> just, just wanted to throw in, to throw that. In, but <laughs> thought it started started off on a funny note. Well, at least for me, I, I need comedy <laughs> in my life after watching this Giants team for the past uh, past four weeks. But let's go back to last week a little bit. Your game against uh, the Buffalo Bills. The game was very competitive in the first half. What drew the game out of contention for Miami in the second half against Buffalo and you guys suffering your first loss? I think the the biggest thing that hurt this team because you know this this the Dolphins offense is is a very high scoring fast offense. Once uh Tarn Armstead went down and you know we have our backup center in, you know, Liam Eikenberg, who the backup center was, he's not even a center. He he was drafted as a tackle, moved to a guard, and then he's moved up to a back backup center. It, it, it was just a nightmare. They were getting pressure just setting four. So that was just completely throwing it off. We were throwing a lot of screens, a lot of quick passes, instead of letting things develop over the field like we normally do and push the ball down the field. That hurt because, you know, it was a 7-7, 14-14 type drive. And then our defense was just letting them score at will. And then at some point, you know, you get down 7, 14. And then once you hit 21, you kind of take your playbook and kind of throw it out the window. Because we like to run the ball. You saw what, you know, Devonta Chain can do, what Mostert was doing. We like to run the ball to have like a nice one-two punch. But once they started going up by score and our offensive line was just beat up, well, you guys know about that, you know, the whole – the whole scheme went out the window and that's where it really got hurt right and coming into this week i want to know because we know or at least on this channel how giant fans feel coming into this game what's the miami fan base as well as the media's perception coming into this game you got beat by buffalo mm -hmm. is this a get right game from the jump or is it we're going to also beat the piss out of the Giants worse or maybe as bad as Denver. <laughs> um, I don't I, – I can't foresee that ever happening again, to be honest with you. I've been a Dolphins fan for 30 years, and not once have I ever seen the Dolphins put 70 up on anybody. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we're going to do that. But it, it kind of feels like that. I hope they're not looking past you guys because next week we face the Panthers, and then we face the Eagles on Sunday night football. So I'm hoping the Dolphins aren't like – one win team and no win team and then you know the the bright lights against a really good team i hope they're not looking past you guys so i hope it is one of those situations where they're like all right we got beat bad we need to show that we're not you know frauds and we need to play hard and i'm hoping that's what they're going to do and that's what they're going to play as right and talked about it a little bit earlier this is one of the best offensive schemes one of the best offensive teams put together that I've seen in my life watching football. I've been watching football for a couple of years now, and obviously the Chiefs fall in that category and whatnot. Besides speed, which is probably a good percentage, what makes this offense go, <laughs> what else is it that goes into the firepower under Tua in this offense? And is it also a big part that Tua is actually staying healthy this year? 
Yeah, I think it's I, I you know, a lot of people want to like the people who don't like to and want to discredit him will say it's the scheme and it's the weapons. But to me, it's like a nice trifecta of things. You know, Tua, when he's healthy, he's very precise. He's on target. He has great anticipation. But then also it's the Mike McDaniel scheme. And then it's also what, you know, it helps that you have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL right now. Um, but I think besides the speed, it has a lot to do with Mike McDaniel and just how creative he is with his play calling because he'll run the same play three times in a row but every time it's something different so he'll run the same play twice where we'll hand off we'll hand off to um raheem moser it's an eye formation handoff to raheem moser on the left on the left boom 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 twice then all of a sudden the same play same formation but they have tyreek hill lined up at running back and they have devon to chain at wide receiver and then all of a sudden it's an end around to devon a chain for it like it's just he just messes with people where you're like oh it's the i formation it's the i from not knowing oh that's tyreek back there they're going to give it to the running back on a, on a crossing and it's he loves to do that thing where he, he did it last year against the lions where it was the same exact play he motioned tyreek and every time he motioned tyreek the defense followed, so he ran the ball. Then the defense followed, so he ran the ball. Third time, the defense didn't follow through to Tyreek. He was wide. Like, he just, they call him that evil genius. That's just what he is. He's like, I'm going to I'm gonna move these things. You're going to think it's the same play? I'm just going to move one piece, and it's just going to throw everything out of whack. And I think, you know, like you said, besides the speed, that's the other thing. It's just Mike McDaniel knowing what to do with what. Definitely. We head to the running back room, which is one of the bigger stories, too. We know who Raheem Mostert is. And now we have a better idea of who Devin Achan is. What were your expectations for him coming into the season compared to right now? Which, <laughs> obviously, I would have to expect it to change. And also, to add on to that, is he the definite number two back and maybe the future number one? Um, when we took him in the third, it was a surprise. You know, I didn't, you know, there was all these rumors about Dalvin Cook and all these different guys. So when they took Devon in the third, it shocked me. But, it, you know, coming out of college, he's fast and he's kind of small. So, you know, during training camp, you really didn't do much. You didn't hear much. And even in preseason, he kind of got banged up. You didn't really hear or, or see much from him. And I always equated him to kind of Darren Sproles. He's that small, fast guy who can bounce off the tackles. But then when he got the ball, he just took off. And I love he's that style style of player that he's going to fall forward. He's going to, you know, okay, he, he gets hit at the line of scrimmage. He's still going to get you two yards. And he fights. Like right now, yeah, I, I could say it's a 1A, 1B type situation with him and Raheem. But he's definitely the future. Like, you know, Raheem, I completely forgot Raheem Moser was 31. I, for some reason, thought he was like 28. Um, so, you know, he's upper in, the, in that age. And then you have just. Devon um, A-Chain just doing amazing things. So, yeah, he's definitely the future, but I think right now it's that one-two punch. And then Jeff Wilson hopefully will be coming back soon, and you got that three-headed uh, running back tandem in the backfield. Right. Moving to the wide receiver position, we could talk at nauseum forever and ever about Jalen Wild and Tyree Kill. I know they're going to beat the crap out of the Giants this weekend, but as a Dolphins fan perspective-wise, and I know that, you know, these guys aren't going to get much playing time on the field, maybe one more than the other. What are your thoughts on the Dolphins having two seemingly disgruntled wide receivers with the, from their former teams? Robbie Chosen, former Jet, leading, mm -hmm. alluding to the theme earlier. And now you guys traded for Chase Claypool. 
Chase Claypool. <laughs> that trade, I literally, I'm usually up late with my daughter until about like five o'clock. So my wife lets me sleep until about 11. And I woke up to that and I was like, a wide receiver? And it makes sense when you think about it because Eric Izu, uh, comma, he's he's banged up. He's dealing with a neck injury. And then we have River Craycraft also got banged up. So it makes sense why they traded for him. But I was not. They gave up a sixth. They gave a sixth and got a seventh back. Like, I was, it shocked me. But he's, he needs a change from what I'm hearing. You know, he didn't like it in Chicago. You know, um, his former teammate with Notre Dame, Durham Smythe, vouched for him. Tua vouched for him. So he needs a change, and I think he fits what the Dolphins are missing, that tall, fast, physical wide receiver, because, you know, we have Tyree Kill. He's kind of smaller, fast. Jalen Waddle, not as big, fast. Braxton Barrios, smaller, fast. We need that bigger guy, so bringing in Claypool. Um, shocker, but, you know, all right, I'll take it. You know for a fact he's probably excited to go from a one-win team to a one-loss team. Um, and then when it comes to Robbie Chosen, I want to see more out of him. I noticed that... The more I watch him, you know, he's fast and he he's he's a good route runner, but he's kind of lazy when it comes to the other aspects of being a wide receiver, like the blocking and stuff like that. Um, I'd like to see more out of him, um, but I think this is, you know, just more depth at that wide receiver position, which is just, it's not what the Dolphins need, if I'm going to be honest with you. I would have preferred like a backup center, but I'll take a 24-year-old wide receiver that's only going to cost us $2 million. Sure, why not? You did mention in your preview video Connor Williams possibly coming back being big for the Dolphins. What do you think the O-line configuration looks like on Sunday? And if you uh, obviously mentioned uh, the O-line didn't do too well. Is Liam Eichenberg going to start potentially? I know you said he's out of position. That he hasn't been good. How do you see that all coming into play on Sunday? Um, if Connor goes and plays, which I I pray like with every being of my body. Um, you'll have Kendall Lamb being the starting left tackle. That's the only difference. You'll have Kendall Lamb being the starting left tackle, but he started the season at left tackle because Toron Armstead got banged up and uh in training camp. So he was the starter. And he actually did pretty well against, you know, Cleo Mack and and Bosa. And he did really well against the Patriots. So Kendall Lamb is 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 not bad. And, you know, he really can hold it down for the next month because Teron Armstead is now on IR. It's just I don't know what's happening with the center position. Um, it's a groin injury with um, Connor Williams. So I'm hoping, you know, getting that rest last week and, you know, he was he was limited. He did practice, but he was limited. I'm hoping he can go. If he can't go, and this was, you know, that was one of the biggest things I talked about in uh the preview video is Dexter Lawrence scares the crap out of me. I'm avoiding him. I'm rolling to an out, running to the outsides. Like he can just be so disruptive up the middle. And that's to his bread and butter. You know, you get the pressure on the outside, too is very good at stepping up and avoiding the pressure. But if he can't step up, oh my gosh, it's gonna be a long day for Miami. I just hope if that's the case, our back end holds up. But I honestly <laughs> don't have too much, don't have too much faith in that. Um <laughs> Moving to the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to talk about a guy I liked coming out of college with a lot of flaws. Uh, his name is Jalen Phillips. How is he seen by Dolphin fans and Dolphin media? Because coming out of college, I think he retired one year to do like a mm -hmm. neck to like something like a neck injury. Mm -hmm. But he came out, uh, went to college again, UCLA. Um, 
obviously had production, drafted. I think it was the first round in, mm-hmm. in the mid-teens picks. Uh, how is he seen overall in Miami? And I know he's missed a few games this year, too. Yeah. Um, some people want more out of him. He had eight and a half sacks his first year. He had about seven sacks his second year. Um, people want more out of him. They, you know, they see his motor, they see how fast he is. They want that, you know, double digit sack. They, they want more out of him, which I wholeheartedly agree. Jim Phillips is one of my favorite, uh, players on the defense. I see every time I break down the film, he's just got a high motor. It is just, he over pursues a lot and he could have double digit sacks. He could have the past two years. He just shoots, he overshoots, and he needs to work on some type of inside move because every time he goes to the outside, that tackle just pushes him and his speed. He just overpursues the um, quarterback. But I think he can be dangerous as long as he, you know, he really works on his techniques and kind of gets a different pass rush move because he'll be on the, the, the left side of the line and there'll be a play to the right side 15 yards down the field. He's the one who's making the tackle. Like, he, I love his motor and his motivation, you know, his physique, but he's just got to get a little bit, bit cleaner on his pass rushing. Yeah, definitely. And also switching to Bradley Chubb and really the rest of the group. Um, I think the Dolphins are like middle of the pack in sacks so far this year. <laughs> Do you think this definitely maybe get right is not the right word because the middle of the pack and you're only four games in, but do you have legitimate and it's okay to say because I know what my expectations are. Um, <laughs> do you think that this should be a high volume pass rush game? Absolutely all front four from the Miami Dolphins. I and again, no offense, <laughs> but I'm taking uh, <laughs> I after watching you guys against Seattle, I said if the Miami Dolphins don't get a minimum of four sacks in this game, there's something wrong with the front. Because we've had, we've been struggling, you know, against Denver, we had one sack uh, against the Bills. I don't think we had any sacks. We might've had one or two. Like we have a hard time getting after the quarterback because it's a different style of defense. Josh Boyer and Brian Flores ran a different style of defense than blitz. Fangio's run. Yeah, exactly. Blitz, blitz, blitz. Boy, uh, Fangio's more of that organic blitz, whereas he has the coverage over the top. So it's, you know, he needs to learn how to marry the two. But right now we're just having a hard time getting after the quarterback. And like you said, you know, Daniel Jones was sacked, what, 11 times? <laughs> if we can't get after Daniel Jones and sack him at least four times, I'm going to be worried. And, you know, Bradley Chubb is kind of letting me down. He had one good game this season so far. Other than that, you know, he hasn't done much. He's not worth the contract that the Dolphins gave him. Moving to, I would say, the weakness of the defense, at least from my analysis and observation, Jalen Ramsey injury was big. Caden mm-hmm. Kohu last week he was he was cooked a little bit and yep. hasn't been great coverage statistically. But would you go definitely as to say that the secondary is the weakness and that m- maybe is there other players that stick out on the defense that are weak specifically in the secondary? Um, you know, Cater got yeah he Cater got beat up by. Um real bad and you know they, they should have moved they should have put x over or at least put javon over the top instead of brandon jones but i think it's like a combination of things when it comes to that because there was a lot of times where the quarterback got too long of a time to let those type of plays develop but then on the flip side there's a lot of times where there are pass rush was getting there but then the receivers had quick routes that you know we got the ball off before our guys get there 
But yeah, I think not having Jalen out there really hurts. And, you know, because Cater's more of that inside guy and he's being pushed to the outside. And then we have Cam Smith, our rookie second round pick, who Fangio just doesn't think he's ready yet. So he doesn't want to put him out there and then, you know, get burnt. So it's funny going into the season, you have Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey. That's the strength of the defense. Now you look at it, it's like Eli Apple, you guys know about him. Like, are we going to put him out there and stuff like that? So, yeah, it goes from being one of the strengths to one of the weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you just mentioned uh, the giant legend, Eli Apple, but also, <laughs> not to mention, you do have uh, a veteran in Justin Bethel, who's a mm-hmm. special teamer, usually on a regular basis. He's playing the slot. And then, uh, someone who I liked coming out of college, Nick Needham. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's, he's on the injured reserve. So um, he'll be coming back, of course, shortly. But moving to more of the game prep, this shouldn't be a difficult question for at least maybe one of the answers. From a fan slash evaluation standpoint, which matchups, whether it's position or player and player, side by side, are you looking forward to seeing on Sunday? I want to see what your interior defensive line can do against the Miami Dolphins offensive line. Like, I want to see if we can handle Dexter Lawrence, if we can run the ball. Um, Because, you know, I honestly think that if it comes to our pass offense versus your pass defense, we'll win that one just because of, you know, the speed we have at receiver. But I'm really interested to see if we can still run the ball. And, you know, is Connor Williams going to play or are we going to, are they going to trot? Liam Eikenberg back out there and then how's that going to go so to me you know to me it's the trenches both sides I want to see you know does the Dolphins defensive line have a problem because we can't get after Daniel Jones um and then the other way around you know can we do what we need to do against your very good interior defensive lineman going even further into game prep one on defense one on offense two x factors for the Dolphins on Sunday X factors. Um, defense, I would have to say Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, I, you know, he's just been very good after Phillips, you know, got banged up and he was moved back to his natural position at outside linebacker. He's been very disruptive. So I want to, you know, if he could continue to be very disruptive, I think it'll definitely help the Dolphins out to potentially get more turnovers. Offensive side. I'm going to stick with the O-line, and I'm going to stick with center. I think the X-Factor is who is playing at center. I think that'll you know be a big tell of you know how that's going to go and how the game's going to go. Because if we have, like I said, Liam Eikenberg out there, I don't know how good the offense can be. They'll probably move the pocket a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my X-Factor on offense is center who's playing. And then you're looking at the Giants' offense and defense. X-Factors, one each. For me on offense, the X factor is is Saquon going to play. Now, he practiced on a limited basis. You know, do you want to trot him out there for this? Do you want to rest him another week and get ready for Buffalo or, you know, anybody else after that? Uh, That's on the offensive side. And then the defensive side, you know, I look at your defense and, you know, your corners are all right. They're not too worrisome for me. I like Thibodeau. I I like your, your pass rush. I think that's really good. But again, it all comes down to, Dexter Lawrence, a high pro, high paid, you know, defensive tackle on how disruptive he can be up the middle because, you know, Christian Wilkins wants to get paid good money, but he's not very good at getting after the quarterback. Dexter Lawrence is good at getting after the quarterback. So that's, you know, the X factor for me is, is Saquon playing and can we contain Dexter Lawrence? 
Not to mention, I'm pretty sure I would say 99.9% sure that Wilkins and Lawrence were actually teammates at Clemson mm-hmm. and were drafted in the same draft class, maybe like two picks apart. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Wilkins maybe was like, he was somewhere in the teens and Lawrence was 17. So they mm-hmm. were they weren't far apart in that way. Yeah, but, I think um, uh, Wilkins was like 13 or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't that far sounds apart. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. But um, final score prediction for this game or just a winner. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to win. They better win um, because they need to get back on the right track. Uh, I usually pick it pretty close. Uh, normally, I'm conservative and I'm like, hey, you know, 24, 27. But it, it's the way it should go when you look at paper, the Dolphins should take a, a lead handedly. So I have the Dolphins winning 30 to 14. I think you guys will still score points. I think you guys will still move the ball. But I think the Dolphins will be able to do what they need to do when they're home. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins 30 to 14. Exactly. And then last but not least, um, where can people find you and your work? I got a weird name. So anywhere you need to find me, just look up Dougley Durong, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on YouTube, wherever. That's where you can find me. Well, I appreciate Doug taking the time out of his day to come on and discuss some Dolphins with us, get that side uh, also, I did see in the preview video that he put out, and if you haven't already, please check that out. Uh, you'll be going to the uh, the game on Sunday, and uh, hope you have a nice time there. Well, the first time I actually went there wasn't for a Giants game, but didn't have the greatest experience, but <laughs> that's all fine and well. It was actually a Dolphins preseason game last year, so that was that. But um, again, appreciate Doug coming on. If for you guys, again, check out his Twitter. Check out his YouTube channel at Dougley Do Wrong. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops through. Drops four uh, five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Let's see if the Giants can make this game semi competitive for at least a quarter. But um, appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh-huh.